0: Um, would you join me this morning uh, as we read through three scriptures? And I'm going to start with the first two, and uh, Keith's going to finish this out. Um, our first scripture comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as, w- as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The second comes from John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain with you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples.
1: Pastor Mike and I have... Simon have been in this sermon series about what a Christian offers, and we started with a Christian offers their their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their witness, and now we're moving into talking about offers their service, and I think that's something obviously we can wrap our minds around with, like what Joe talked about. But what's interesting about these scriptures that we're going to read here is the first one you read was written by Peter from 1 Peter, and the last scripture I'm going to read to you now is kind of a story about what happens to Peter, and I think you'll see the difference in where he is in this Versus where he winds up with what we read earlier, and it goes to the fact that, you know, when you understand Christian service, you recognize that it's part of your life as a Christian, and it's something that is not an option, as Jesus will show us, because we have first been served by him. So let's look together at this passage in John 13. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked them. And blessed indeed we are as we, because of what Jesus has done for us, serve others. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, you have placed us in this church and community to be in relationship with you and serve one another. Each of us has unique gifts and talents which you can use for your purpose. To reach out to others and touch the lives of your children in our workplaces, schools, and neighborhoods. Help us to be bold for you, Lord to recognize and take advantage of those opportunities that you place in our paths, to reach out to others, to serve them in your name, and to be your humble servant wherever we are and whatever we are doing. Lord, today we offer up our prayers for our friends who are in need of healing, who struggle with physical or mental pain, or might be wrestling with spiritual issues. We pray this morning for Sherry Murray, Lisa Larson, Connie Albert, Neil Wood, and Kim Sean, who've been hospitalized this week. And we pray that they've been able to feel your healing hand upon them. Bless them with your presence and love as they continue to recover. We also pray today for the family and friends of Marge Reynolds, who died this past Tuesday. And we thank you for your blessing of her life to us and the many, many ways she touched the people of this church. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts for your message Given through your servant, Pastor Mike, we pray, Lord, and claim the promise that his words today would be spoken boldly as your words. Lord, we know that your spirit is alive in this place. We felt it this morning and know it to be true. Lord, let it speak through Pastor Mike into our hearts that we would respond, Lord, and follow you to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen, indeed. I'll tell you what, I've been at all four services like uh, these fellows and Joe, and it seems like um, particularly our musicians just walked up and pushed the awesome button today, didn't they? Oh my gosh, that was a great, a great uh, uh, praise and worship to be a part of. I want to share with you a couple of preparatory comments before I go to the sermon, um, hopefully all celebrations today. Um, you know, one of the things that we're about when we're training up Andrew and sending him off to seminary, we've already sent Allison off one of the things that, that is the collateral of that as we train up young men and women is that when they're trained, they have to go. Um, you'll notice, those of you that are used to coming to this service, that there's a big Afro missing today. Uh, big Mac Marcus Kane is not with us today. He has started today and is being uh, beginning his ministry as the youth... Uh, director at the salem united methodist church on the other side of town so hopefully he'll be back uh, next week we, at the end of our service so we can pray him out and send him but uh, we're thrilled for marcus uh but we'll miss him now you guys all know that that i like sports got things i like sports teams and i want to tell you i'm an equal opportunity supporter i love the panthers support the hawkeyes um, love the Cohawks, Coach. Well done yesterday. Uh, well done, Coach of the Year of the Iowa Conference. Right back there, Steve Staker. Well done. Good job. Great year, great year. And I and I of course light, love the Cyclones, but I got to tell you, you know, I won't make us cheer for any of that. But what I do want you to do is celebrate with me. A half dozen or so years ago, one of the kids that I confirmed right here in this space, he grew up. Went to Iowa State and starts on the football team. So let's celebrate. Spencer Thornton gets to go to a bowl game, huh? How about that? How about that, huh? So go clones. He's, he's one of our kids. So. so we're celebrating today. And, of course, you can see we've put the Believe logo up here. And I hope you'll come tonight. I do. You know, this is uh, the Believe campaign celebrates the fact that we have uh, just completed the campaign that raised more funds for one effort, than we've ever done before in the life of the church. And there's more to come to follow, to be honest with you. And you need to sometimes just take a minute and celebrate. And so I I got a kick out of it because some college students asked me, so Pastor Mike, have you ever had a party before that had an end time? You know I mean? Who just parties from like 5.50 to 6.30? Well, let me tell you, it's like this. When we plan this thing, you can stay all night. We don't care. We own the land. You can lay out there and sleep if you want to. But when we plan this thing, you don't know what the weather's going to be like in November. We didn't know what it was going to be like. So we wanted to give people an idea that if it's snowing or if it's windy or something like that, that it's not going to be a, a real long program. In fact, there won't be many words said at all. It's going to be chilly, hanging out. And the reason we put the time in is this. A lot of you have been to the Freedom Festival, stuff like that, and they have that long, big, hundred and some thousand dollars worth of you know, fireworks. Okay? We are a church, not the city of Cedar Rapids. Okay? So they have a fireworks budget and we have a fireworks budget. Be on time. Okay? <laughs> Be on time. Enjoy the chili, but make sure you're looking up because we're going to have a great time tonight. Hope you can all come. Now, one last thing before we get to the heart of the matter today. Last week was Veterans Day. And every year on Veterans Day, somebody sends me this story on email. Last week I got it five times, so I'm going to tell it so you can stop sending it to me, okay? Here's the story. Little boy out in the back room of the church. He's standing there looking at this plaque on the wall. Big, beautiful wooden plaque has names on it. Pastor comes up beside him and says, Son, what are you doing? He says, I'm looking at that plaque. Pastor says, Oh. Little boy says, Well, what's that plaque all about? What does it mean? And the pastor says, well, son, that's a a plaque that commemorates the people who have died in the service. The kid's eyes get real big. And he says, 9.45 or 11 o'clock service. (laughs) I've told that four times. It does not get any better than that. That that is it. So I get it. Don't say it. But here's what I want to tell you. That leads to this. Those men that are on that plaque were doing service. They weren't sitting in service. Okay? Sitting is not service. Service is doing with a purpose. It's doing with a purpose that's inherent in the person doing the service to, to accomplish some person, purpose. As Keith said a few moments ago, we've been walking through this, these scriptures and this, this sermon series on how, what a Christian offers. And we said a Christian offers their prayers, their presence, their gifts. Their witness, and today we come to service. Now, when we go to do service, it's important for us to know why we're doing this. A number of years ago, I was fortunate enough to go down on a mission trip during spring break to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. They'd been flooded just like we'd been flooded, so we had all the appropriate skills and the understanding of what needed to be done. So we went down there over our spring break, and we got down to this place. We were staying at the Southeast Christian uh, center in in southeast uh nashville obviously which was an old daycare center so a bunch of small rooms that they'd made into dormitories for us so when we got down there we went in there and there was this guy that was our host our guide our kind of our shepherd uh for the week he had left his job as a carpenter his name was larry he'd left his job as a carpenter moved into this this kind of shelter for all these touring groups of of people that were coming down to muck out buildings and build stuff and all that and all he got was a place to live, three square meals a day, and I think they paid his insurance. So I thought, man, what an awesome testimony this guy must have. I thought, you know, you give up that much of your life, you must have something really powerful within you that's generating that, right? And so one night, you know how you do on mission trips, you know, you're kind of hanging around, you do some worship, you do some Bible study, and Larry was there, and I said, Larry, I'd really love it if you would just Give the kids your testimony, what you, you know, just say while you're here. And he says, Well, once Nashville started to flood, I could see they need some help. Seemed like the right thing to do. Thank you very much. I'm like, that's it? He's like, oh yeah, that's it. I'm like, here's Larry giving up a year or more of his life to do this. And honestly and completely, he didn't know why. He knew the what. He was going to serve Nashville and the people therein. But he didn't know why he was doing it. I mean, how I sat as a pastor thinking, surely this man will stand up and say, because of my love of Jesus Christ, I saw the hurt in my community and I wanted to serve. But I can't write somebody's talk for him. He didn't know why he was serving. He just knew what he was doing. See, Jesus gives us the example of the why. In this really critical moment, which is both a real time and an image, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now, I don't have to do a lot of explaining on why people needed their feet washed then, do I? You know, they were wearing the equivalent of leather flip-flops back there on dirty, dusty roads where horses, dogs, other animals walked. You understand what I'm talking about here? So when you came to dinner, you didn't need a whole bath. That's what Jesus describes me. But you did need your feet washed. That was just kind of one of the cultural norms of the day. And the way they did that would be one of the servants, and it was like the lowest servant on the totem pole. I mean, think about that. Guy who kneels on on ground washing feet. Not the high-level job in the household, right? So this guy would kneel down. He'd put a towel over his shoulder, have a big wash basin, wash the people's feet, dry them off, and send them. Wash them all that, you know, that road guck out of their feet that's the lowest man on the totem pole so what does jesus do at some level he walks up to that low man on the totem pole and say step aside i have this and he takes the towel puts it over his shoulder he takes the basin kneels down at the feet of his disciple and he begins to wash their feet now of course it's a real important physical cleansing But the point of the matter here is that Jesus is offering them a spiritual cleansing because he's saying to them and to us that until you are spiritually cleansed, you are not part of us. You are not part of me. You cannot have a relationship with God until you are spiritually cleansed. See, the image is, as Jesus is kneeling down there, is the disciples literally place themselves in his hands. He has their feet in his hands. The image means all of your life is in my hands. And and, And they need to allow the service to happen and see its richness and depth. Because then they can understand why they serve. They can understand why we are to serve by the simple little phrase, Jesus saves. Jesus saves all the disciples, and by washing their feet, he invites them and vicariously through them us, To the event that is the cross. And we can receive our redemption. We can receive our atonement with Christ. We can receive our oneness with him in that moment. And because Jesus saves us from all the things that we need saving from. He motivates our what. That's the why. And our what is simply this. The saved serve. Or more clearly the served. Go forward to serve. This is wash basin theology that Jesus has given us. See, there's Jesus on his knees with a a towel, elevating service to the highest pursuit that a Christian person could use their life to do, elevating service of other human beings to the highest level and teaching us that we're supposed to be about us. And so we are to offer our service to the church and to the world. Now, today we're just going to talk about the church, and it starts with this. Obedience to Christ cannot be separated from service. It absolutely cannot be separated from service. And we have to cling to that concept. We have to cling to the fact that obedience to Christ cannot be separated from service. See, we've been working, Pastor Keith and I and some of the rest of our staff have been working with a guy named Dr. Elmer Collier. Elmer's uh, theological professor at the University of Dubuque. And he throws out this ominous warning to the Christian church, and we all need to hear it. He's been casting this out for four or five years, this warning to the Christian church to get a grip of themselves and understand what they are. He says, the problem with the North American church and some of her leaders is that they've begun to look at themselves as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to the church just to have religious goods and service doled out to them, and they consume them. They just consume religious services And and good. And see, so what happens then is that so many people or some people come to church and they see it as a spiritual mall. You know, they come over to J.C. Blessing, right? And they come in and they get a blessing poured out on them through the prayers. And then they walk over to Sermons R Us. And they go home and say, it was awesome. We got that one today where Pastor Keith got all fired up. Or Mike did that, what you going to do about Jesus talk. And then they walk over and they download their most new favorite tune on their I Praise. And their new hymn or whatnot. And then they slide downstairs to get the nectar of the morning. And their fried donut, right? And they go home. And they say, I got a lot out of church today. It's going to be a good week because I got a lot out of church today. This is one of the problems, the issues. Now, maybe that's silly the way I went through that, but it's a critical warning because the important thing is that Christians are not to be consumers of the church and neither are we to become become clients of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not an exercise in consumerism. This is so very important for us to understand. Our Christianity should not be centered on what we get out of it. See, if we center our faith on what we get out of coming here, that is probably antithetical to the gospel, and it's probably realistically anti-Christian too. The point is not to come here to see what we can get out of it. Our Christianity should not be about consuming. Our Christianity should be focused on what I can put into it. What of myself can I put in towards the service of Christ's church? Some of you may remember, in June 2008, while 1,300 of our blocks were still under water in Cedar Rapids, I stood right here in this spot, and I said two very important things, in my opinion. Number one, we are going to serve our brothers in Cedar Rapids. And that was the what. We, from that day forward, started housing groups. And sometimes, do you know this? We had 3,000 to 4,000 people in our community helping with the flood that was being categorized out of Marion First United Methodist Church. We rented all of Camp for a whole summer to put large youth groups up there. We had kids staying and people and adults staying in 42 different churches week after week after week. Some of them are still doing that now. But we had fidelity to that cause, and we said, we are going to serve our neighbors And then I said the second thing, and I said this should precede the first. To do that, we need to maintain the strength and the health of this church. Because if this church is not strong, that service will break down. If this body of Christ does not have great spiritual integrity, does not have great service to each other, our service of others will be for naught. You see, our first service must always be to the body of Christ. The holy community called the church, established by Christ and set in place and motion by him. We have to serve the church. Let me give you an example. This is the part of the service where I made all the other congregations participate along with me. And so I ask and, and, and inquire if you'll do the same. If you have an elbow with you, if you've brought an elbow with you to church, can you just put it out in front of you? You know, it doesn't have to be right or left, whichever one. You can put the middle one out if you want. Okay. Then take your other hand, if you have another hand, and just scratch that elbow. Just scratch that elbow. Okay? You can go as long as you want, but I'm going to stop now. But I, I, I say that to make this point. Your elbow is incapable of scratching itself, is it not? I mean, even if I go over here and scratch it on this or come over to Andrew's No Shave November Beard and Scratch it, I still have to involve a whole lot of my body. I've got to lean over. I've got to move my shoulder. And the fact of the matter is, to, to scratch your elbow, your elbow needs a hand, right? matter of fact, it even took my other shoulder and my other elbow to get it there. We do not, the point is, live independently. We simply need to be serving each other. There's so much in our world that, 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 that is simply true in the body of Christ. And then I will tell you this in the body of Christ that I know it, which is our church. In this body of Christ, there are many of us that need a hand. There's many of us that need a shoulder, and there's a lot of us that need an elbow. See, Jesus gives the picture of the church and how it's supposed to work at its greatest function by using the vine. He says the vine is a great image of what we're supposed to be. And if you look, if you ever know a, a fruit vine, if you've ever seen one, you'll understand that fruit vines are all interrelated. Everything's related to everything. And and the brokenness in this world is represented by the vine. Because any vine, any branch that tries to stand by itself is dead. It's been clipped off. It can't grow by itself. It has to be connected to the vine. Human beings, we need to understand and see this over and over again. We are not meant to be on our own. We are meant to live out our lives in community. We are simply better together. The fruitfulness of the branch, you see depends on the life of the vine. The fruitfulness of the Christian life depends on the life of Christ and as it extrapolates itself out to the life of Christ's church. And the purpose of the vine is to nourish the branch. And the purpose of the branch is to bear fruit. And if the the branch doesn't bear fruit, guess what? The farmer clips it off. So if we're not useful in bearing fruit for God, What then happens to us? So how does this hit the ground in our lives? Let's bring this home in ways that are practical. Our service begins by embodying the first four of our pledge words. We say a Christian offers their prayers. I would hope that each day when you get up or when you're driving across town to your work or when you're praying before you go to bed, that you say these words somewhere in your prayer. And dear God, please bless First United Methodist Church all of its leaders and its ministries. Bless 412, bless Puppets, bless Choir, bless the Praise Team, bless the Daycare, bless all the ministries that we have, bless the United Methodist Women, all those so that you might pray. And you know when Keith or I or or Andrew or someone leads a prayer in here and we say those names in here, those are not for your information, they're for your prayers so that your prayers might be useful for the building up of the body of Christ. So we offer our prayers and don't feel bad about praying for somebody else that's sitting right down the pew from you. Lord knows they need it. Lord knows you need it. A Christian also offers their presence. It is inspiring just when you guys show up to me. I think it's inspiring for some of you looking at each other. You are inspired just because that other person is here in this place. We offer our gifts. You've heard a lot about this. We offer our gifts by our time, our treasure, our talents, all that. We've talked a lot about that. we offer our witness. Oh how I wish Larry would have had a witness to give to the students that I'd taken down here. But you do so many things for Christ. You know, if you go out and build a fly lunch, don't hesitate to the fact to say, "Well, yes, I." The what is I want to feed this kid? You know, we feed you know several thousand lunches every week. Yeah, I want to feed this kid. But the why is because Jesus has moved so powerfully in my life that I'm motivated to do that. One Peter four ten and eleven that Andrew. Fe- read a few moments ago says you're already equipped. You're already equipped to do service in the church. We're all shaped by God with individual passions, gifts, and talents that are to be used to support the body of Christ. If you see a need, just step into it. You don't have to go to a lot of committee meetings around here. You don't have to, that's probably one of our biggest faults. We don't have a lot of those. You want to do ministry? Just step into it. There's this beautiful lady She lives at Summit Point now, but her name is Betty Kircher. Betty used to come to our 830 service before her own health uh, drew her away. But when Betty came into Pastor Melissa's office eight, nine years ago, she said this. She did not say, I want to start something. She said, Pastor Melissa and Mike, since I was nearby, she said, I am going to start a ministry for people who are caring for folks in their house. You see, Betty was caring for her own husband, and she realized that others that were caring for their spouses or their older parents that had Alzheimer's or declining health or cancer or, or, or some other kind of thing, that the wear on that person was just immense. So Betty wanted to start this caregivers where they could bring those folks together, where they could get respite care in the homes for the people they were caring for, and that they could come together for prayer and fellowship and just to kind of talk to each other and, and, and nourish each other for the journey. It got so big as a matter of fact that they had to move out of the basement of the Carnegie Center, move out to milestones where it could accommodate a lot more people, because people needed that care and Betty simply stepped into it. And I could give you lots and lots of other examples, but when service is needed in the in the body of Christ, just step into it. Now we are to commit ourselves to Christ to serving Christ and his church above ourselves. That's first. So you say, what can I do? What what can I do? Show show a picture up here. I want to put a picture up here of Brittany Marie. Brittany Marie is my niece. So high school boys and college boys, look away, all right? This is my 17-year-old niece. She lives in South Florida. Brittany Marie gives us, to me, one of the best examples of how we can serve the church. I was talking to Brittany a few months ago, and I was talking to her about her church. She goes to church in South Florida, and I said, well, what's your church like? She says, well, I go to service at 9, Uncle Mike, and then I go to worship at 11. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Unpack that for me. Because see, sometimes we will say, this is the 11 o'clock service, but this is not the 11 o'clock service. This is the 11 o'clock worship. Service doesn't happen in here. It happens outside of here. But worship happens in here. So I said, Brittany, what does that mean? She says, well, what we do is, I, my service is to the four-year-old little kids. So what we do is we go at 9 o'clock, and the teachers and I, the other teachers and I meet together, and we pray for each little four-year-old individually. Then we kind of look at the lesson, and we break up the parts. Then the children come in, we have our lesson, and that's service, and then I go to worship. And I said, really? She says, yeah, in our church, we believe everybody should go to worship, and have service. I said, i got to implement that. We should all have our service and our worship. I, I think it's awesome that, that we have that. And, and what Brittany does, she loves, I mean, she's a high school kid. She's 17 years old. She gets up at like 8.30 in the morning because her service starts at 9, and she stays there until 12.15 in the afternoon. And, and I would tell you, she, and she's also an elite soccer player and all that. I mean, she's a, a star athlete and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but what she does, she does because she knows Christ first loved her. And she's received her salvation, so therefore, because of that, she serves her church in ways that are useful. Now, I don't ever like to say this isn't that hard. But what I will say is, this is quite a bit possible. Let me give you an example. We have one of our worshipers, I was talking to her a while back, and we were talking about service and stuff like that. And she says, I'm committed to to the church of Jesus Christ. I said, cool. I said, what do you do? She says, every Sunday morning, I serve him. I'm like, that's cool. Because I've never seen her pour a cup of coffee, never seen her teach a Sunday school group, and she cannot and shall not sing in our choir, okay? Just who it is, all right? But I've seen her do this. I said, so what do you do? She says, well, every Sunday morning when I get up, I come here with a purpose in my heart i said that's just cool we can stop now but there's more she says before the service i read all the scriptures that we're going to preach that day so that i'll be ready and i pray for the pastor she says i always pray for you and pastor keith and a couple weeks ago we threw simon in there so she preached for simon too and she'll preach for andrew when he preaches in a few months i said that's so awesome and she said not only that she says i try to edge myself down the pew so I can sit by someone that feels like they're new to me. And I'll wait until people sit down. And she'll purposely, strategically sit herself. I said, that's cool. I said, what do you do during the service? Now listen to this. She says, I try to look as if I'm interested. I said, what does that mean? And she was quite serious about this. She says, well, Pastor Mike, you probably don't know this, but, you know, when a woman turns 40, this is what she said. When I t- I'll say this. When she turned 40, she says, you know, I used to just look like I was smelling all the time, but things shifted when I was 40. Now I look in myself in the mirror, and I'm like, why do I look so grumpy? I'm happy today. So when I come to worship, I try to smile and nod and write things down so the people around me might think that I'm focused in on what you and Pastor Keith are doing. I said, that is awesome service. How hard is that to act like you're interested? Out. I'm <laughs> just kidding. That's, that's probably what's going to be on TV now. <laughs> that line, Pastor kicked somebody out of church. No. And then, when did I lose control? I this, a long time ago. <laughs> So then, then she says, and after the service, after the service, I try to serve God just by hanging around, just by staying here to talk to people that might be new or to talk to somebody that might be hurting. How awesome is that for service? That's, that's just one member of First United Methodist Church of Marion's testimony. They come with a purpose in their heart and their purpose is because Christ has saved them, they're going to serve some other people. See, if the purpose of the church is, and I do believe it is, t- to win souls for Christ and nurture them into the kingdom, then the first and most important service we, d- we do is to the church of Jesus Christ. We are first called to serve the Lord and his church. And of course, the result of serving Christ and his church is that the church will be built up and fortified. Of course the result of serving the church will be that we will be fortified in our faith. Of course one of the results of serving Christ in this church is that the Lord's territory here in Marion will be expanded, which is to say more people will want to come and walk alongside us in this ministry that we do. And of course, if we serve the church, this will become a much happier, loving, caring community for each other. A Christian offers... Their service to Christ and His holy church. Let us pray. O oh Lord God Almighty, we give you thanks and praise, and we ask, O oh Lord, that we might always serve you in ways that are fruitful for your ministry here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.